We will be reading Acts 11, 1 through 18. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began and explained it to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, by no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, what God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times and all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were sent to me from Caesarea, and the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, and you and all your household. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just on us as, just on, as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, LG. Father, we, uh, we come into your presence this morning from a lot of different places. Uh, some of us are very familiar with you. Some of us are not. Some of us are feeling very low and, uh, and hurting. Some of us are feeling very encouraged. And Lord, you have something for all of us, uh, as you do every time we gather. Lord, you call us to gather like this weekly because you want to give us more of yourself uh, in unique ways every single week. There's something here in the singing and the preaching and the praying and the gathering and the fellowshipping um, and all of this space, there is, is something for us that is this deepening intimacy with you. And Lord, we are so thankful. Um, I am so thankful personally this morning that what can happen here is not determined by our feelings. How we felt when we woke up, whether we're tired or awake, encouraged, discouraged, Lord, you are, you are Lord and, and sovereign ruler over all. And my feelings, our feelings don't determine reality and they don't limit you in your working. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. And we ask that you would come and, and once again, Lord, that you would knock the rust off of our cold hearts. Lord, that you would um, warm us to your goodness, that you would warm us to be able to love you and love each other and love those who do not know you, Lord. And we pray that you would work this deep, deep transformation in our hearts um, through what you are about to give us. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so if you've been with us, we've been studying through the book of Acts, and in some way it's, it's true of every book of scripture that the Lord is, is speaking to us every week through this scripture to teach us how to follow him, not just individually, but collectively as the body of Christ, as the church, 
What does it mean to follow you uh, and to be on this mission that you have for all of humanity? And so, uh, but, but specifically the book of Acts, because this is the genesis of the church. God has always had a people, but now um, since the, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, that people is called the church. And so he is working through his people, the church, his gathered people to go and gather more people. And that is the mission of God. And that's the mission that we're on. And we're also recognizing that, especially if you've grown up in the South, that uh, people have all kinds of experiences with the church. People have all kinds of experiences with trying to follow Jesus and trying to understand who he is, what God is like, what he wants from me, what he wants me to do uh, for him and what it is to follow him, what it is to know him, all of these things. And so what we want to do and what we've been doing this semester is saying, let's just pretend this is an exploring board. And let's say that we are going to as, as best we can with, with only with the help of the Lord, that we're going to erase things and start from scratch and say, let's just look at this again and, and see what the Lord, let's go right to the source. What does he say that the church is? What does he say that the purpose of his people is? And as we do that, um, then we are free. We are, we are free agents. We are people who are free to continue to follow him, to continue to come and be a part of this place, or to not. Uh, we can live under these lies that we are slaves, that, that we have become enslaved to this way of being, that we're, we're here to do God a favor, that we're here because we have to be here, but we really don't. And, and that sounds maybe counterintuitive to say something like that, but it's really important to know that because what we don't want is just to continue to go through life smiling and nodding our head, but none of this really uh, going into our hearts and our souls and, and making a, a deep impact on our life. And the only way that we can do that is when we bring our full selves and engage honestly. And so today with this passage, we, we see that the mission, the mission of Jesus is going to require us going out and having fellowship with people who feel like other to us, who do not feel familiar, who do not feel comfortable, who feel very strange. And Jesus is using us, his people, to go out into the world and to bring all kinds of people together to be his people, to reflect his diverse beauty in this world. And we hear that and we're like, yeah, that's, that's a home run, right? That's easy. Except it's not. Except it's hard and it's always been hard. Uh, there are people who I don't feel comfortable with. And there are people who you don't feel comfortable with. And there are people who uh, my heart, because of who I am and, and what has worked for me in life and because of the family that I've come from and because of all the experiences that I've had, there are people that I, whether I know it or not, whether it's, it's subliminal or expressed, that I make distinctions between myself and certain other types of people. And so depending on who you are and where you've come from, um, it, it depends you know, who, who is, is less comfortable for you? The idea of, of sitting down with somebody, who, who is the person that the idea of sitting down across a table, having table fellowship with somebody and your friends walking in and seeing this happen, who, who is that type of person who would make you the most uncomfortable? Is it that your friends would see you sitting down with somebody, uh, a man wearing a, a Make America Great Again hat? Or is, is it your friend seeing you sit down with a man wearing a sequin dress? Or sitting down with a man who's wearing a uh, Christian t-shirt that instead of Sprite, it says spirit? And um, I think maybe, maybe that's the answer for all of us. Um, but we all have those, those groups of people that in our minds we've said, no, 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 okay, that, that's a little too much. That makes me feel a little too uncomfortable. 
and I can theoretically love these people from a distance, but the idea of moving in and having a deep fellowship and letting them into the deepest places that I let uh, my most intimate friends into that place, uh, those doors are actually locked. And so I have to ask, why is this threatening? And it's threatening because I thought that God loves certain kinds of people more than others, and that I, I was one of those people. And I need that distinction. I need that distinction to feel okay, to feel good about myself, because I'm living in this fear of maybe, maybe if things just go a little bit in the wrong direction that I will cease to be acceptable to God. Or maybe God's not who I'm trying to be acceptable with at all. It's, it's maybe um, I'm living out of the fear of man and I'm not really concerned with God at all. But whatever the case, this is hard. Um, and this is something that we have to do business with if we're gonna join Jesus on this mission and actually be the church. And so as we get into our passage, um, the word on the street was that Gentiles, and that word Gentile just means non-Jew, uh, that Gentiles had accepted the good news of Jesus through Peter's ministry in the city of Caesarea and received the Holy Spirit just like the Jewish Christians had. And so, so you hear this news, and, and kind of like our example, um, Peter goes back to Jerusalem, and, and the apostles are there, and the, the men and women who are sort of the leaders of the church that are Jewish people that have come to faith in Christ, they're all there. And when they see Peter, after they've heard all this news, are they celebrating him? No, they're criticizing him. They hear this news that all these new people have come to faith. All these new types of people have come to faith in Christ through Peter's ministry. And the first thing out of their mouth is not celebration, but it's criticism. And what they say is, you went into the home of a Gentile and ate with Gentile people. How could you do that? We don't do that. And it's so easy for me to read this and to be like, man, you are so messed up. All these people were dead and now they have life and all you could think about was how Peter went and ate with them. But if that's where I stop, then I, I don't have a very deep self-awareness because I'm, I'm doing the same thing. So we gotta get into a little history lesson uh, to, to kind of understand what we're talking about to make this, the vision that Peter has to make all this stuff make sense. And so I'm gonna, I'm, I'm shortening it as much as possible. I hope I've done a good job. Here we go. Um, all of humanity have been separated from God by their sin. That's what separates humanity from God is sin. Rebellion against God, disregard for what he says is right, disregard for what he cares about, finding my own path to live life, not in submission to God. Uh, as, as scripture says, we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. So cosmic justice is that everyone is destroyed for their sin. But God decided that he was going to redeem people for himself and he was going to use people to do it. He was going to use people on this mission of redemption. He decided that long, long, long ago. And so God came to Abraham and said, uh, Abraham was a man who lived a uh, long, long time ago and said, I will be your God and you and your descendants will be my people. And God saved his people from Egyptian slavery, setting them apart from the rest of the world. So God made a distinction. God made a distinction between Abraham and his people, this, this group that's now called Israel, that's now called the people of God, between them and the rest of the world, between his people 
and not his people. One way that God showed this distinction was through the ceremonial law, which included food laws. So in Leviticus, the book of scripture that nobody wants to read, um, in Leviticus chapter 11, this is where we hear about the, the food laws, the dietary restrictions that God had for his people back then. And it said, all, you need to read it. It says all kinds of crazy things. It says, um, you may eat animals that chew the cud and have split hoofs. But you can't eat animals that only chew the cud but don't have split hoofs. And you can't uh, eat animals that have split hoofs but don't chew the cud. And you can eat sea creatures that have fins and scales. But if they only have scales and not fins, you can't eat them and vice versa. And there's all sorts of crazy distinctions that he's making between these different animals of what is okay to eat and what's o it's not okay to eat. So you have to ask the question, did, did God mess up when he made some of these animals? No. <laughs> Was it like God, like, man, okay, when I was making animals, some, I, I meant to put fins and scales on all of them, but I just put scales on some of them, so don't eat those, those are bad. No, um, they're all good. So what's, what's going on? Why does he make this distinction between these animals? Because all of the ceremonial laws of what you can eat, what you can wear, how you behave, all that stuff, cleanliness laws, paint a physical picture of a spiritual reality. You cannot approach God any way you want. That's the whole problem. That's where sin came from, is, is this disregard for God. I will approach God how I want, when I want, however I feel like. And with these ceremonial laws, God is painting a very physical picture to say, that is not okay. And that means that you are not in a right relationship with me. And that actually leads to death because only a right relationship with me where you are submitted to me, I'm your God, you're my people, that is the only way that we can have right relationship and that you can be okay and that you can flourish. Your disregard for God's word is what makes you unclean. So to be this people in right relationship, you have to be made clean and God alone provides the means for that cleansing. Okay, are, are you with me? Okay. So not only is that is one reason why he has these laws, the ceremonial law. Another reason that he has this, these laws and makes this distinction is actually to draw people in who are not his people. As, as crazy and backwards as that might sound. He tells his people in Exodus, you are going to be a city on a hill. You are going to be a shining light to the nations. You're going to be a kingdom of priests to bring all nations into right relationship with me. So all these people that I've made a distinction, the reason that I've had to make a distinction to set you apart is to show that there is a way to be in relationship with God and a way to not be in relationship with God. And when everyone else sees what it's like to be in relationship with God, they're gonna say, I want that. And they're gonna come to you and say, how do we know this God? And guess what? I'm going to use you, you distinct set-apart people, to be a kingdom of priests. A priest is to, to do business between uh, man and God to help them become part of my people. So your set-apartness is so that it will draw people in. They will see the beauty of your life. They will see the beauty, more importantly, of who I am and what it's like to be in relationship with me. And then you're going to say, let me help you know this God. But God's people turn these ceremonial laws into means of making sinful distinction between themselves and the people around them. 
they thought that they made themselves clean by keeping these ceremonial laws. And when they believed that, then all of a sudden these Gentiles, these non-Jews, all the surrounding nations became a threat to them. If I'm the one who has to keep these laws and make myself clean, then I don't want to get close to these other people because that's threatening and it's easier for me to become unclean. So they added safety precautions to God's law. God never said this in his word, but what they said was never enter the home of a Gentile. Never eat with a Gentile. And you know, they're probably thinking things like this. Because if you did, it's just too complicated. It's just too messy. And we just want to be careful. So we just don't want to even think about it. Now you can start to draw some bridges between them and us. The very laws that were meant to attract Gentiles to God were being misinterpreted and misused to keep them far from God, making God's mission impossible. So thank God for his intervention here. And, and now, we, now we get back to our story. So Peter says essentially to these, these Jewish Christians, hey, I know what you're thinking. I was just like you until Jesus intervened. And let me tell you what he did to make this really clear. He said he had a vision while he was praying, a huge sheet full of all different kinds of creatures descended from heaven to Peter. And he hears the voice of Jesus say, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter says, no way, absolutely not. Because no unclean thing has ever entered my mouth. And Jesus says, what God has made clean, do not call common or unclean. And this happens, this whole exchange happens three times. So you think about it, Jesus is so gentle with Peter and with us. Because this is not the first time that he's had to correct Peter. Where he's told Peter something and Peter said no. And Jesus is like, oh wow, really? You're going to say no to me? Um, even that little episode where... He says, I'm going to have to go to the cross. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. And Peter's like, no, we're going to stop this. And Jesus had to say, get behind me, Satan. Peter, you remember that? But he's so gentle with him and with us. So he's gentle when Peter resists, but he's also, he loves him so much that he's not going to let him stay there. He loves Peter too much, and he loves the people that he's calling Peter to minister to too much to let him stay in this place. So Jesus himself is telling Peter to do this, and Peter says no. Old habits die hard. Literally, the word of God is telling you to do something, and Peter says no. But then Jesus starts to connect the dots for him. This vision happens three times. And then, and lo and behold, immediately when this vision is over, three Gentile, unclean men appear at the door saying, we're here to see Simon Peter. Peter's like, oh, wow, okay. And then the Holy Spirit, when that happens, says to Peter, go with these men and do not make any distinction between them and yourself. So now it clicks. Now Peter understands what this vision was. The sheet in the vision is the church, the people of God. All kinds of people are there. All are made clean by God. All are made by God. All are loved by God. All are cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. 
No type of people, no nation, no group is inherently less clean than any other. This Jesus is the fulfillment of the ceremonial law. All of the ceremonial law was pointing to him and saying, you have to be distinct. You have to be set apart. You have to be cleansed by God's provision. And guess what? All of this is a physical picture of a spiritual reality that's pointing to Jesus. Jesus is that cleansing ultimately once and forever for all of God's people. And that is the only distinction now is you are in Christ and you are clean and you're in right relationship with God or you are not in Christ and you are unclean because of your sin and your rebellion and your disregard for what God says. Romans 3, 9 and 10, are Jews any better off than Gentiles? No, not at all. Both Jews and Greeks are under sin. No one is righteous. No one seeks after God until he intervenes in someone's life. Jesus in Matthew 15 says this. Peter has heard this before. Hear and understand. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person. It's not what you eat, but what comes out of the mouth, that what comes from the heart that defiles a person. Jesus never calls us to do anything that he's not willing to do first and ultimately. And so this Jesus, as he's calling Peter to go out to people that he considered unclean, Jesus has left everything. He's left the throne room of heaven to come to us who are so, so desperately unclean, enemies of God, filthy in our rebellion against him, insisting in our own way, our hypocrisy, our self-indulgence, our, our perversions, our sin. And he's emptied out his precious holy life to pay for our sins, to, to redeem us, to cleanse us, to make us members of God's family with no distinctions. That is the truth of the gospel. Colossians 1, 21 and 22, Paul says it like this. And you who once were alienated and hostile to God in your mind, doing evil deeds, God has now reconciled in his body of flesh, in Jesus's body on the cross by his death, in order to do what? To present you holy and clean and blameless before him so that you can have life with him forever. That is the good news of the gospel. So Jesus tells Peter and all of us, what God has made clean, do not call unclean. Whoever it is hard for you to imagine having table fellowship with without distinction, do not call that person unclean because they are precious to me. And that's not all. <laughs> we live like we're afraid of getting some on us. You know, we're threatened by whoever the other is to us. Because, because there's a fear. There's a fear that what, what if I make myself dirty? What if I somehow live in such a way that I lose my distinctiveness and am, am no longer loved by God in the same way? So Peter says the same thing to Peter about himself. Peter, what God has made clean, do not call unclean. Peter, you are clean. You are clean once and forever by my blood. So you don't ever have to worry about making your own distinctions or trying to make yourself clean or trying to keep yourself apart from anybody. You are free. There is not a single person or people group on this earth now that you cannot go and share your life and table fellowship with in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are clean. You don't ever have to worry about any distinctions. Do not make light of Jesus's cleansing. Peter is preaching the good news of Jesus to these people. He follows these men. He goes to this house in this other city. 
and he walks in, and we know from the chapter before this where, where they recount the story, the, the place is full, full of Gentiles, because there's a man named Cornelius that had received a vision from Jesus too. He was searching for God. God, I, I know you're out there. I don't really know who you are, but I want to, because the Holy Spirit was already working in his life. And, the, and God says, send for this man named Peter. He's going to be at this house in this city. And you tell him he needs to get over here and bring you the words of life. Bring you salvation, news of salvation. So when he hears that, he sends these three men to go to Peter. And then he gathers everyone that he can find. I want you all, you are dear to me. I want you all to hear the words of life that this man is going to bring of how to know God and how to be in relationship with him. And so Peter shows up and the house is packed. And Peter still doesn't exactly know what's happening. And I love what he says here because it's just so true. It's like even after this amazing vision, one of the things that says Peter said is, hey, you guys know how it's not even cool that I'm standing in this house right now. And I think part of what he's saying is like, it's still hard for me to be here. It still feels uncomfortable for me to be here. So just wanted to get that out there. Now tell me why I'm here. <laughs> And they said, well, you're here because God said you had the words of life so that we could have salvation. And I imagine in that moment, Peter just melted. And all the hardness that he still felt walking into that house just melted away. And he said, okay, here's the good news of Jesus. And then he told them, and he says, as he was preaching, he watched and it was so evident the Holy Spirit fell on all these people. They were all speaking in tongues. They, the exact same thing happened to them. The Holy Spirit fell on them the exact same way that the Holy Spirit fell on Peter and all of the apostles at the beginning. There was no distinction. And so as Peter sees this and the Holy Spirit is moving in these people, it also says that the Holy Spirit reminded Peter of something that Jesus said. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings that to mind for Peter, saying, in a sense, water baptism is just a sign and seal of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the real cleansing that happens. And what you're witnessing, Peter, is the total and complete cleansing of these people, just like you felt it yourself. And there is no distinction anymore between you and them. You are all mine. You are all clean in Christ. You all belong to me. You are all precious to me. And so then Peter's response is really the only, the, the only response. Who am I to stand in God's way? Who am I to stay in my comfort, in my cultural norms, in my social norms that I felt good and comfortable in? Who am I to do that when God himself is speaking to me and saying, that's not good, don't do that anymore? And the beautiful thing is when he says this, he recounts this story to these Jewish Christians in Jerusalem, they did the same thing. It says they became silent. They were open to receiving from God. And they were receiving from the evidence of the spirit and God's word and God's people and Peter hearing this account. And it said, okay. And now we rejoice that it's become clear to us that God is the God of the Gentiles too, and he's bringing them to faith too. And they changed. 
They allowed the Holy Spirit to bring conviction. They allowed the Holy Spirit to bring transformation through the means that he always does, his word, his spirit, and his people. And so there are people, you know, what does this mean for us? Lord willing, this body is and will continue to be ever growing in its diversity. Lord willing, there are people in this room who you don't feel comfortable with because there are people out there who represent, we represent all these different types of people. And there are people in this room who can get to people who God is going to use as a means to bring people to himself that I can't get to. They won't let me in, but they'll let you in. And there are people that I'm going to be able to get to because maybe I feel more familiar to them that they, that they won't let you in. And this is all by design. And so when we see differences in each other that feel threatening, that don't have anything to do with the gospel or sin, we don't need to feel threatened by that because we have all been made clean in the blood of Jesus. So, you know, part of the reason I asked that question up here about style, <laughs> we're all going to be different styles. And that is a joy to celebrate. That is not something to feel threatened by. So our, our very traditional folks, our, our very eclectic folks, all of that, like thank God for bringing all of these people to this place because we need all of it. Because my representation of Jesus, I am an image bearer of God and I'm a vessel for Jesus Christ out in the world, but I'm only me and my personality and the way I relate to people is just one sliver of the, the infinite Jesus who is infinitely beautiful. And you each have one sliver as well. And when we are working together, when we are living together, and we are loving each other together, that is a much more accurate picture of who Jesus is than any one of us by ourselves. And so in this body, there will be times that we are uncomfortable. And so what do we do? And, and I'll tell you what, what the worldly response to this is is that we bump into discomfort and then we bounce back and we don't ever come back. I find I, maybe I'm somewhere like at the men's hang and I bump into somebody who does not, I do not naturally have this affinity with and I discover that and then I sort of write a note to myself, you don't need to waste your time getting to know that person anymore. They're different from you. Go, go find the guys that are an easy hang. And, and if we do that, we're going to miss everything. We're going to miss everything. Unity in this body, unity in diversity is absolutely possible. It's not even a question mark. Why? Because Jesus prayed for it. In John 17, Lord, would you make these people one just as you and I are one? And I have a pretty good feeling that prayer is going to get answered if Jesus is praying it. But also look at his disciples. Look at the people who are living life together every, you know, for three years, every day, eating, sleeping, doing everything together. You had Matthew, who is a tax collector, basically in some people's eyes, a sellout to the Roman government. And you have Simon the Zealot who wanted to start a riot and overthrow and kill all the Romans. And they were brothers in Christ. And they lived life together and they loved each other and there was unity there. So uh, we received new members today. And one of the things that we talked about, we talk about in the new member interviews as we walk through these vows, um, it says, you know, I promise to support the worship and work of this church to the best of my ability. We talk about, sometimes people ask, well, I have some different opinions on different things. Is that okay? 
And what I always tell them is, yes, potentially, because you know who this body is and what we believe and what we represent. And there are some things that are gospel issues that are central issues that we have to be united on. And then there are other things that we don't have to be united on. And everybody is free to follow their convictions. But, but on these issues that we don't have to be united in and don't have to all have the same opinion, it's how you hold those convictions. Do I understand that this is not an ultimate gospel issue? And, and am I going to be able to love and relate and submit and do life in this body where people think differently on this? And if you're not, then no, this is not a good idea to join this body. But if you are, then yes, because we need this, because we need to hear different perspectives. We need people in different places to be sharing different things with us because we don't know everything. And that, that is a, a beautiful, beautiful picture of the kingdom. And so now in Jesus, the only distinction that is appropriate to make between people is clean in Jesus Christ or not clean in Jesus Christ. And the only reason we make that distinction is not so that we can stay away from people who are not clean in Jesus Christ. It's so that we can go to them and offer them life and be vessels, the hands and feet and mouth and heart of Jesus and say, hey, do you know this God? You need to know this God because this God loves you. And let me tell you how much this God loves you. And he's not just here to give you information and have you check a box and, and now believe something that I believe, but he's there to, to bring you into his body, into this family. That's why in our, our vision statement for Midtown West, the last part of our vision statement is very important. We are on adventure with Jesus to be set free, to set others free, and to enjoy that freedom together. Because we're not just going out with information, we're going out to bring lost brothers and sisters into this family so that we can benefit from them and they can benefit from us and that we can all have this life in Jesus together. Father, this is so wonderful on paper and so hard in, in life. And I just confess, I keep inventing new ways to draw distinctions between me and certain other people. And Lord, forgive me, forgive us for how that has kept me from seeing you and seeing how I am actually clean in you and for, and for how that has hurt lost people who are dying, who in, instead of going to the way that you have called me to, um, I have kept my distance. Thank you that you are sovereign. Thank you that um, that does not stop you. Thank you that you come to us in so much grace, in so much love, in so much gentleness, but also in so much um, love and grace that you will not allow us to